Welcome to the Lost Transmissions Out of the Archives interviews. Welcome back to Lost Transmissions. My name is DJ Cricket, and right now I have on the phone awesome guy. He is currently the lead singer and drummer of a band called Death From Above. Say hello to Sebastian. Hello, Sebastian. <laughs> so, hello, Sebastian. How's it going? Uh-huh. Good, how are you? I'm doing good. So we're going to get into a lot more stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about the new record, you guys going on tour, but I feel like we just met. We need to do a little bit of some word association, like break the ice, you know what I mean? Okay. Okay, so... I mean, my my ice is totally broken, so I if mean, you need to do this, then uh, I'm happy to indulge. I mean, okay, I mean, true. Listen, like, you don't know. Like, I'm listen, it's my routine every single time. So here's the thing. Let's break your ice. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say one word. And when I say it, I want you to say the first things that come into your head. This is dangerous, by the way. <laughs> Listen, don't worry. It's pre-recorded. I can censor anything. So, okay. your word is death from above. Uh, well, I, the first word that came to my mind was crazy. Hmm. I mean, I can fit that. Can... Like, like in the chaos sense. Yeah, chaos. yeah. When I think of my band, I get like... I think of like a million different things, and it all kind of scrambles. So, I just... Uh, yeah. It's not like, it's the opposite of peaceful. <laughs> yeah. You have those bands that are kind of like, everything's kind of lined up and everything's chill. And then you you have a band that's like, that's kind of our whole thing just to make, make noise in the best way possible. Let's boil it down to chaos. Yeah. Chaos is chaos. the one I'll say. Yeah. No worries. It sounds all good. So one thing I need to want to talk to you about is you're not just the singer of the band, you're a drummer. And that's something when you look into it, like not that many musicians do. So I just want to know on your end, like, what are some of the challenges in terms of like doing double duty in some cases? You know, it's always a compromise. There's, there's kind of, there's this fallacy about multitasking and, and everyone's kind of encouraged to multitask all the time. And uh, for the past, I don't know, two, three generations, everyone's just like, well, you need to be a multitasker. But the reality is when you multitask, you're just fractioning your attention in the, you know, dividing your attention if you're doing two things you're doing two things only half as well as you can do it you know so in a sense i view it that way it it was a it wasn't a like a choice we made or like a decision like stylistically this Mm. you know it'd be cool if if i was drumming and singing it was just kind of something that happened naturally you know so it it just became the thing that i did Mm. and it is a bit of a burden you know i really love drumming and i really love singing and when you're doing both at the same time there are inherent physical challenges and i have to contend with that all the time and so sometimes when it really works it's extremely freeing and transcendent and immaculate and then but most of the time it's it's this kind of physiological riddle you know Mm. and it can be very very frustrating so especially at the the kind of the tenor that we that are we we play at you know it's pretty high energy and and physical so it can be uh it can be very challenging so i I don't necessarily ever recommend it and there's a reason why basically no one does it (laughs) you know (laughs) uh but it's it's my it's my cross to bear it's whatever path i chose i hear you so even though it's your cross to bear is there anything like in terms of like vocal warm-ups or things you kind of do in terms like gear that you kind of you just use to like make that whole cross a little easier to kind of move on with yeah i have a you know a very regimented vocal warm-up that i do i i do it sometimes i'll exercise for up to you know an hour or an hour and a half a day when i'm on the road and touring that's kind of recent like mm-hmm. 
for a lot of years, I just kind of went out and did the show and kind of hoped for the best. And also singing to me was kind of mysterious and yeah. I didn't want to, I felt like I didn't want to know too much about it, you know, in this kind of purist kind of punk rock sense. And, and then I realized that I was missing out on an entire world, an entire part of my voice that could make, I don't know, could make things better in my life. So yeah. I started a pretty dedicated practice of, of exercising and warming up and, and trying to discover, discover the parts of my voice that I kind of stumbled upon accidentally when I was younger. I don't want to, I don't want my voice to be an accident or a mistake. I want it to be deliberate, you know, and I want to be free within it. So my current mode is to, uh, is to just exercise that more than anything else so that I can be fully free, you know? So I'm going to do a little bit of a left turn here, but I want to talk about one thing that when I've looked at other interviews and I've seen you guys talk about it, it doesn't seem like it's as big of a a big deal to you guys as it is to everyone else. So I want Uh to ask about it, which is the kind of the name change more or less to like from death from above 1979 to death from above. You guys, it seems like you guys are just like, that's who we were. So that's kind of it. The reaction you got, did you expect that? Well, we, uh, let me see, how can I approach this? We, we basically, you know, it's, it's pretty well recorded the reasons why we changed our name in the first place yeah. from Death Row to Death Row 1979. And so we just carried that along with us for a long time and, and it was totally fine. But then a couple of years ago, we, we just, we were having dinner, drinking wine and thought, let's just stop using it and see what happens. And so we did that. We, we went on tour. We advertised the band as Death Row Above. We made t-shirts. We made posters with just the name, no numbers. And people didn't really talk about it so much. You know, they didn't really, it didn't really resonate. And because, it's, you know, we've got a record that just came out and mm-hmm. it's just another topic of conversation, you know, something that people can bring up in interviews. So it's been coming up, I think, just because it's, it's something to talk about, you know, but essentially, you know, it was a long band name. It's too long. You yeah. know, Death from Above 1939. It's a lot of words to say. And the only thing that humans have really on earth, the only currency that we have is time. And I started to see it as a waste of time. And then I started to imagine all the instances where people said our name and how many, you know, seconds that adds up to how many minutes and then how many weeks and, and months that we've, we've wasted, you know, uh, of people's time saying that the fucking long ass name, pardon my language. Uh, so, uh, so in a sense, we're like giving you back the gift of, of time, which is the only thing that you have. Yeah. So, yeah. It's kind of funny. Like that one year, you're more or less like, listen, for all the years we've taken away, we're just going to take away this one year. Yeah. Definitely. One thing I want to touch on a little bit that seems especially relevant now is another thing that's a name. The name of your album, Outrages Now, just kind of seems a little bit fitting, not just in terms of like the general world landscape, but in sometimes personal levels. Like things have been getting more outrageous just in general for, I feel like. Is that something that was kind of in both of your minds when working on this record? Yeah, I mean we're both we're both interested in in the world, you know, and and trying to figure it out like most people are and and trying to communicate our ideas about it to people and as a lyricist I see my job and, and as an artist to kind of be on the outside a little bit looking in, you know, 
like to kind of be on the fence mm. about a lot of things and and to render ideas down in a way that's interpretable to, to from different perspectives so you know that uh that method becomes very useful and even for me personally like there are songs in this record that i wrote and when i wrote them i meant one specific thing and it hasn't been that long you know six months or four or five six whatever however long it's been since we finished the record Hmm. and already my perspective has changed almost uh, like on a polarity you know like almost the other end of the spectrum so my attempt to make songs that were interpretable was not only successful it was so successful that it's worked on me and i wrote the thing you know so the whole point of it is that people have far more in common than they have difference you know yeah people and 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 there's this massive attempt by you know I don't even know what by media and and culture to to divide people in, in a way on these very specific lines and I think that it's I think it's nefarious I'm not like a conspiracy theorist but I but I think that someone's profiting from from dividing people up into their little categories that can't talk to one another you know hmm. you you define yourself by some kind of identity and then and then you say that I, now i can't relate to the next person with a different identity and the more you break people down in that way the more divided people get you know and i don't know what the purpose of that is because it's definitely not happiness yeah and it's, and not, it's definitely not it, it's definitely not human flourishing you know like you saying that you're different than i am for whatever reason is not gonna make us want to help each other you know so that's kind of where where a lot of the ideas on the record are coming from and it's basically we're just trying to communicate the question what's the utility of outrage and division you know and these kind of divisive politics what's the utility of that Mm. and i think the utility of it is is something someone's profiting somewhere you know and i don't think it's this like evil conspiracy i just think that there's someone has something to gain from all this and it's you know it's not necessarily the person we think it is all the time you know and and it's definitely not us because people are like literally fighting in the streets you know over sometimes over just like slight differences of opinion and also over words and words are the only thing we have to prevent us from fighting like that's what we do as humans we we've made up ideas and developed words so that we don't have to stab each other you know that's the whole thing that's what separates us from from uh from animals you know animals don't have words they end up just biting each other's faces off you know and so we need to transcend or remember that that's what we're doing here is like we're working it out you know so that we don't have to kill each other definitely and i mean listening back to the album that is just something that is very common and just kind of making people think in terms of like is it worth it in terms of just like going to be outraged for outrage's like sake you know what i mean in some cases you just have to ask you just have to ask yourself the question like who's benefiting from my anger you know because Mm -hmm. it's it's probably not you that's that's the sad thing about it you know, it's probably not you, and so you got to figure out how you're getting played in that in that game, and and then make it work for yourself. Because the only thing we have is time. You know, that's all we have on Earth is time. And so, do you want to spend your time being upset, or do you want to spend your time making the world a better place? That's that that's the essential truth. You know, and and sometimes those 
those things are at odds, and that's what it seems like now. It seems like it doesn't seem like the the extreme anger is making anything uh, any better, you know. So let's yeah. let's try to retack, you know. Let's try to retack. It's it, we should be making our lives better, not worse, you know. Yeah, that's, that's it. And when it comes to like kind of like exploring the steam in the album, was this something that you kind of guys walked into as more of a mission statement in terms of like this is the message you want to get out, or was this something that over time when you were writing music, you saw the steam kind of come up over and over again in what you were writing? Yeah, it's more it's more emergent mm-hmm. than than like conscious, you know. Like uh, it's just a it's a symptom of. Of the conversations that Jesse and I have, and the you know the the books that we read, and the the, the podcasts we listen to, and you know the, the you know all those things, and the the perspectives that we're that uh, we're trying to have on the world, you know. So it's definitely emergent. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't like uh, there was this kind of dedicated mission, you know, yeah, and. You- uh, even you know the record had a completely different title until until i wrote outrages now and then it seemed like oh this is the this is kind of the the guiding principle on the record you know mm-hmm. um and i didn't i didn't realize that until that song kind of unlocked itself in my mind and then the sort of vague nature of of what the record was before fell away and uh and then this like these themes emerged you know mm-hmm. so yeah so it's emergent yeah but um in terms of just kind of besides the lyrical section one thing i uh-huh. want to say is when listening to this album it kind of feels like there's a progression of like what you guys have released beforehand but it kind of also comes like feels like you're coming into new territory so was that uh-huh. something along the lines of like and you mentioned that the lyrics were emergent so i'm guessing in that sense when you guys are working on the music was that something that was more emergent or was that something a little more premeditated in terms of a hey we want to kind of go more for this sound or was it kind of like we'll explore and we'll see what we come to yeah i mean it's a little bit of both of those things from my perspective when when jesse was was writing ideas riffs you know musical ideas and he would present me with you know you know three or three or four ideas that you know these are ideas i'm ha- you know I'm, I'm working on i would i was consciously picking um the more interesting things and that's you know obviously a subjective thing but Mm -hmm. to my taste you know i was i was if he wrote three things and 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 uh two of them were you know very fast and technical and then one of them was this like you know kind of mushy bendy you know kind of outsidery slow motion riff i would be like that's the one i want to try you know because it's our third record and because we've made enough music together that we could very well just fall into a mode and, and run with it. You know, Uh, what's more interesting to me is, is taking, you know, kind of expanding our vocabulary musically and then rendering it through this, this madness that's, that is the band, you know, Mm -hmm. which is its own kind of its own, like, it's like it's like a, a sifter you know it, it, the band is is this form it's these instruments drums and this crazy bass sound and and whatever the hell i'm doing on my with my voice and and so whatever we do is going to go through that filter in the end anyway you know and it's going to end up sounding a little bit like the band you know so yeah. you're able to because the form is very specific you're able to take all kinds of influences and then just like grind them through you know and then when you kind of like come out on the other side of working on this album for months on some cases and like maybe years, mm-hmm. 
and then just looking at your entire discography and then kind of seeing these snapshots of your life and especially when it sounds like where you're at where it sounds like we're at right now what songs are you most excited to play off the new record and kind of how do you feel these new songs kind of flow into for lack of a better term narrative of a death from above concert yeah i mean the only way to really think about that is the fact that you know we we went away for so long we made physical world and then we started playing those songs live and at this point the difference between you know material from 2002 and material from 2014 it's it uh, when we play it it's there's no seam there's no seam between it you know mm-hmm. uh it, it it all feels like of the same ilk you know so uh i can only imagine that that's how these new songs are going to feel in in a certain amount of time it, it's certainly going to be there are going to be some growing pains in in how we pull it off live which is always the case you know it's unfortunate or not unfortunate but the the reality of of the times is that you know you go up on stage and and you're exposed to you know criticism which is it's not a new thing obviously yeah. but uh there was a time in our career when people didn't know who the hell we were so you can get up on stage and take a lot of chances and and you know try things out and there weren't you know it didn't matter as much you know but but now we have to go out and kind of you know take a chance with the music and it, it's going to be probably at least in my mind a week or two on tour for the songs to really start to feel like they truly belong, you know, and, and feel like we're able to really do them. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily to the detriment of like the earlier shows in the yeah. tour, but, uh, but it's, it's something for us that I'm really looking forward to like week two of the tour, you know, where, yeah. where we figured it out and we know what works and what doesn't work. And for us, those are like huge, huge differences, but for the audience, I don't know how perceivable that is, you yeah. know, but, but we'll see. I, I'm really excited about introducing the new music. There's some songs where I'm going to be kind of off the kit a little bit. Oh. Um, so, and, you know, just like for a moment, you know, True. it's not like I'm going to spend. Uh, You're not going to kick the kick drum off and like throw into the crowd and be like, you know what? I don't need drums anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be fun, though, if I did that. <laughs> True. <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe. But speaking of that, we actually you mentioned tour. You're coming up over uh-huh. our neck over the woods on October 23rd in the Upstate Concert Hall. And yeah. I'm going to ask you this question. And if you don't mm-hmm. say us, it doesn't hurt. You just want to be honest. No bias. Yeah. Where are you the most excited to play this run on the tour? Oh, where am I the most excited to play? You know, I don't, I don't want this to be a cop-out, but I don't really view... I don't view the... the a tour is like a bunch of separate dates. Mm-hmm. I view it as, I view it as one thing, you know, and I view it as like an opportunity to communicate with a bunch of different people, you know, musically. And so I don't, I can't, I can't separate the dates. I can't think like, Oh, yeah. Nashville's going to, gonna, <laughs> you know, it's going to be fire or whatever. Yeah. Like, uh, and it's not like I'm going to be like, well, I only really care about New York city and Los Angeles. You know, I like it. Yeah. Every show to me is an opportunity to to transcend and to communicate with people. So that's how I look at it. I look at it as this 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 one single transcendent statement. You know. Yeah, and it's really cool because what's true? You have some bands that are like, you know what? I love New York City. There's nothing wrong with that. But the fact that you kind of are looking at this whole thing and you're not kind of singling people out in terms of just like oh yeah you live in orlando and that means i like you but not that much it's pretty cool that you're in terms of just like in general you're excited about everywhere 
just one thing I wanted to mention when talking to you about the album and kind of some of the themes you mentioned. Personally, I feel like those like kind of questioning some of the like themes of outrage and kind of like going off and doing their own thing. It's kind of something we address a bit in World of College Radio. And one thing I want to ask was, how important do you feel like that college radio is in the conversation of like the ridiculous music? And not, well, not ridiculous all the time, but like in the current music industry. Anything that's an alternative to the mainstream helps everybody, you know. And and the idea that there's uh, there are uh, kind of levels to the underground is very important, you know, especially coming out of kind of DIY, you know, punk rock mentality. I like to imagine that, you know, there's a kid in, in a suburb somewhere that's uh, organizing a, ro- a rock show or a punk show or a whatever show. You know, I, I like to think that there's a kid that's sitting in their bedroom drawing and making a zine. You know, I like to think about a kid uh, still screening a T-shirt. You know, uh, those are... I don't think those are romantic, fantastical ideas. I think that those are just levels of the underground, and uh, and college radio is part of that. You know, it's it's part of culture. You know, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm saying you know about a thousand times, and I'm, I keep hearing myself say it now. It's completely. I did a, I, I did a podcast uh, not too long ago, and Jesse and I were talking about you know, I said it again. We we're talking about press. And we realized that we say, you know, a lot in interviews and I did a podcast and I listened to it and I could only hear that of myself. <laughs> and I, and I turned to Twitter and asked them to forensically go back and count the amount of times that I said, you know, in a 30 minute period. And, they and it was upwards, it was upwards of like 80 or 90 <laughs> And the, the prize was a free record from my, my other band, American Lips, uh, on my own record label. So I was able to reward them for that forensic uh, study, but also, holy smokes, say you know a lot. <laughs> Listen, and, I, com- yeah. I completely understand you. Like, in my early days of like kind of doing interviews, early days, like I've done this only for four years. But still, like when yeah. I first started doing interviews, the one thing that I, I'm hearing myself do it now was the word like that was always the word that's uh-huh. when trying to connect these ideas so i mean it's hilarious to kind of compare that though so yeah it becomes a feed it becomes a, kind of like the sound of feedback and you all you can do is hear it I, I walked by a couple yesterday outside of a movie theater and they were having this deep conversation about a friend of theirs who was causing trouble in their friend group and mm. but the amount of times that they said like was <laughs> i i probably you know, from the time I could hear them to the time I walked past them was probably about 15 seconds. And they said, like, at least 15 times in those 15 seconds. Insanity, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, there was no joke. You know? It was, like, no, like, bit. it was just, like, them trying to communicate. No, it's just, it's just them communicating. And, and, and in their minds, uh, and within the bounds of their conversation, having a profound conversation about life, but from a, you know... Uh, objective outsider perspective it just sounded just sounded like uh like you know, he's kind of like uh he's kind of like really like because he's coming in right and like uh and uh and i don't know where, where he's coming from but like it's it's pretty fucked up like uh you know yeah and they're breaking through in their conversation and but like, they're making deeper the points you know, just like what yeah. but i'm gonna ask you one 
big question. I mentioned, I asked a bigger question about like college radio that's very deep and serious. But I'm going to be honest with you. Uh-huh. I'm a broke college student, and I yeah. saw a video of you yep. making bread. Listen, if I after this interview, if I give you an address, I mean, or if I get tips on how to make bread, I'm a, <laughs> like, help me out. Uh, well, you know, the holidays are coming up, so mm-hmm. it's it's gifting season. Maybe your folks or your siblings gonna ask you what you want for for whatever holiday you celebrate. Uh, y- you know, you can uh, or birthday. You know, there's a book called Tartine. And it's, uh, I forget who the, the baker is, but he runs Tartine Bakery in, in San Francisco. And I just follow his recipe. Basically, it's the basic country loaf. And it's totally all natural. And it took me about uh, a year to get any good at it. So it's something that I've dedicated some time and patience and and curiosity to. And, you know, I could have spent that time writing poetry but i decided i would spend that time baking bread and making sandwiches so that's what i'm doing there's nothing wrong with that but the thing about it was no. I, was, I was gonna actually say it's like okay i'll get that book and then during the show because i'm gonna be coming out to the october 23rd date i was gonna be like hey i'll tell you how it went and then you said a year yeah. and i was like never mind well that that said my very first bake uh after you know you have to make the the yeast like the leaven you make it yourself just with mm. flour water and, and air and once you have that it's called the mother and you keep that in a jar and you feed it and it's alive and that's the basis of your bread and so it's basically like having it's basically like having a kid all yeah. that said the, the first time i made bread with this recipe i nailed it i smashed oh. it it was like a slam dunk but then i got cocky and <laughs> like you can add then, way more yeah, but when I say a year, I mean it was a year until you know I'm not I'm not looking at a book anymore. Yeah. I I can feel it out when I put my hands on the dough. I know what stage it's at. Mm-hmm. I know what to do. It's called a point in cooking. It's like you're on point, you know. Yeah. So uh, I just meant it took a year to get like to get in in, in the mode where I, I feel I feel almost impenetrable. Got you. But I have to say that this interview was very a point. That was a yeah. horrible use of it, I think. But I mean, who knows? A point, yeah. A point. Well, a point. I need to work yeah, on that. There you go. But th- thank you so much for your time and sitting down with me and talking about your record and everything else. Right now, we're going to be playing Holy Books on Pioneer Radio. Would you like to introduce it? Hell yeah! This is Death Row Above, Sebastian, singer, drummer. This is our song, Holy Books. Enjoy it. Keep up with Lost Transmissions on Facebook at Lost Transmission Show or on Twitter at L underscore transmissions. Mm-hmm.